You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Richard Justice, our executive correspondent here at MLB.com, who is filling in for Brian McTaggart. And among many other titles that Richard has, my favorite one is Rockstar. Richard, hello. Yes, as Tom Petty once said, you can't get enough. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'm super lucky to be joined by you. So we're going to talk a little Astros. And to start off, Richard, I'd like you to give a grade. If you could give a grade to the Astros for their performance at the winter meetings, what are you giving? Well, Danny, here's a rule of thumb. If your general manager and your manager walk the halls, every time they walk the halls or go through the lobby, people say, hey, congratulations on winning the World Series that's probably a win. And when people go, hey, you got, you've taken that uh, World Series trophy all over uh, Houston, that must be a lot of fun. So considering that that was the main comment, now what are you going to do about the left-handed hitting? What are you going to do about the bullpen? It was, wow, you guys had some fun this year. So in that way, it was an A++ week. You know, in fact, I asked Jeff Luno, I said, you having any trouble turning the page? And he looked at me and said, of course I'm having trouble turning the page. <laughs> you don't want it to end. That's fair. That's fair. And, Richard, you mentioned that there there could be a potential World Series hangover, as you called it. Is, is that a real thing? I think it's a real thing, and I think if you watch the Cubs play for a second straight year in October, there is a point where your body, both emotionally and physically, I think hit a wall. I, I'm not saying the Cubs were happy to be eliminated um, by the Dodgers. But I'm just saying there were times you looked at them and said, this is a tired team. So how do you manage that? When you've played, you won uh, 112 games. I think they played 180-something games. And when you count spring training, you're more than two, you're, you're at over 200 games. So one of the things, and this is a real thing, is that you monitor what your players do in the offseason. Mm-hmm. You ask the pitchers. To delay their to to extend their off season, don't begin your throwing until the last moment, and then try to come to spring training refreshed. Uh, AJ Hinch said, "That's I'm gotta be I gotta be the bad guy at spring training. <laughs> I gotta be the guy to say, okay, that was then, this is now, and every any anyone that's won a World Series will tell you the second time is harder because it's the group dynamics change every year the even I, I don't care who you are, the human psychology changes when you've been to the mountaintop. Right. And so it, you're tested in all sorts of ways. So I do think it's both a mental thing and a physical thing. But you know, Danny, the thing they have going for them, and we saw it even when they had a 20-game lead in the division, is this is a young team, and, and the, the things that players want, you want to you want to win, you mm-hmm. want to make a you want to do well, you want to make a lot of money, you want to be famous. Well, the Astros haven't gotten – their core guys haven't made any money yet. So they still have something out there to, to, uh, to strive for. And we'll see. You know, does everything, will everything fall into place a second year in a row? Probably not. That's why it will be harder. The Angels are better. The Mariners are better and all of that. But I do believe it's a hangover is a real thing, and it's a real thing that A.J. Hinch is already talking about dealing with. But the good news is, Richard, is that most of this World Series roster is returning, and I think that that is going to play into their favor now. Doing it two times in a row, of course, is difficult, but you talk you talked about the chemistry and you talked about these guys returning, and, you know, they've played together now for a while, but they did add 
uh, free agent right-hander Hector Rondon. They got Joe Smith. They're beefing up the bullpen. Are they done? Um, they are. They would be satisfied with with being done. And one other thing about the chemistry is that when you've won a seven-game ALCS and you've won a seven-game World Series and you've been backed into a corner a bunch of times, you're not going to experience anything next season you haven't already experienced. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have things like game six and seven against the Yankees, games two and five, game seven of the World Series. When you've been to all those places, I think you're not inclined to blink. Um, but back to the, the, the current roster – I think they've made it clear that getting these two relievers, Joe Smith and Hector Rondon, both are very good against right-handed pitching. Um, they would be okay with being done. Now, the the one thing they would still like to add, but everybody would like to add, they would like to add a, a left-handed reliever. Is that Tony Watson? I don't think they're going to go out and sign Tony Watson. Is that trading for Brad Hand from the Padres? Well, they tried to do that last summer, too. And uh, the Padres are pretty uh, have a pretty high opinion of Brad Hand, apparently from what from the asking price. <laughs> As and, they should. And, and uh, Chris Davinsky was the best in the league, uh, getting left-handed hitters out. So you say, well, okay, who's going to pitch the ninth inning? Because they didn't go out and get a new closer, and Ken Giles struggled in the World Series. I think what AJ Hinch has said is that we we the, the construction of a bullpen in 2018 is this: you just get as many good arms as possible. So you take a group. Uh, that had Davinsky and had Joe Musgrove, had Will Harris, mm. uh, and you add uh, and, and and you add to it. You add Rondon to it. You you add Joe Smith to it, and Ken Giles will be back. And you know Brian McTaggart and I have talked about this. Neither of us would be surprised if Ken Giles ends up pitching the ninth inning on opening day if they have a lead because he has been. You know they all hit a wall. It wasn't just Ken. Ken's. Because he pitches the ninth inning, his problems were magnified. Mm-hmm. But they all hit a wall in September and October. And so, but if you had asked the Astros two months before the season ended, they would have said, our bullpen's as good as any. So, yeah, I think this is, this is the group they're going to go to spring training with. The other thing is, do they need another left-handed bat? Mm-hmm. You know, they lost Carlos Beltran. Um, you know, so would Adrian Gonzalez, once he's released by the Braves, would, would that make sense? Matt Adams is a free agent. Would that make sense for them? I think, you know, when we hit the January, February market and the prices go down, I wouldn't rule out anything like that. On the other hand, one of the things John Sherholtz, Hall of Fame executive John Sherholtz used to say, when you have young players who are ready to play, it is ruinous. Ruinous is the word he used, not to give them a chance to play. Mm -hmm. So while the Astros lineup is really top-heavy with right-handed hitters, the top five guys are all right-handed hitters. They did lead the world in runs last year. Uh, they led baseball in OPS against left-handed hitting. If there was a problem in, in offense, it didn't show up last year. And their young guys, is Derek Fisher is a left-handed hitter. Colin Moran is left-handed hitter. A.J. Reed wants a top prospect. I mean, it's, at some point he's either going to be able to play or he can't, is a left-handed hitter. And their number one prospect now Kyle Tucker, who just got to double-A last year, is a left-handed hitter who they believe is going to be a star. So you weigh that. Do you want a veteran guy, or do you want to just open the door for your young guys? If I had a, if I have a, if I had a dollar to bet, I would bet they're just going to go and let Fisher and Moran and A.J. Reed play. And at some point during the year, maybe in the second half of the year, Kyle Tucker will be there if, the, if there's a need for it. Richard, 
Uh, the saying goes that imitation is the best form of flattery. So I'm wondering, when it comes to Billy Epler and what he's done with the Angels and Jerry Depoto with the Mariners, division foes, are the Astros keeping a watchful eye on these teams and what they're doing? Every day. You know, if you go to some of these websites, project the standings every day based on the latest personnel move, well, the Astros do that internally. <laughs> and they know that the Angels have closed the gap. Yeah. And that, that when you go out and you resign Upton and you get Otani and you get Kinsler and you get Zach Cozart, an all-star shortstop to play third base. And also the biggest thing is that their three, main, their three top pitchers, Richard Shoemaker and Tyler Skaggs, are all healthy. So, yeah, but you don't, you don't win by 20 games, and I don't think they expect to win by 20 games. You know, we talk about this all the time. If you have a five-game lead on September 1, you're feeling great about yourself. Mm-hmm. If you have a 20-game lead on September 1, you say, whoa, that's too big. You know, our, our boys are going to coast. So, yeah, they're paying attention to it, and they're prepared for it to be more difficult. It's not just the Yankees who've gotten better. That's the lay of the land. Every team tries to get better because by opening day, 25 teams will look at themselves as a playoff team. Yeah, and as we're looking ahead to 2018, we're also looking ahead to next year's free agents because it's never too early to do that. You know, the team is always looking to retain the people as early as possible, right? You want to you wanna get those contracts done before you have to bother them during the season. We're talking about Dallas Keuchel and Marwin Gonzalez, who are a year out from their free agency. Can we expect the Astros to resign either? No, I think uh, they've tried to sign Keuchel in the past. And he's now hired Scott Boros, and Scott Boros is pretty adamant about you let the market set your price. Yeah. And, and, and you know, people say, well, what do you think these guys going to get, $100 million, $200 million, a billion, a trillion? And Scott will go, no, no, I never put a limit on what a guy can make. You don't know what a guy can make. You know, sometimes that works against the guy. And in the case of Marwin, I think we're reaching the point. Altuve, Marwin and Al, Jose Altuve are best friends. And Altuve has said to me, you know, this is the last year I'm going to play with Marwin in that Marwin's going to be more valuable elsewhere than he is to the Astros. While they love him and A.J. Hinch loves him, you know, we've talked about the young guys like Tucker and Fisher. You do have to, like, get out of the way. Mm-hmm. And in a salary cap, essentially this is a salary cap era, you, you do have to make tough decisions. So I love the guy. You know, and he was Jeff Luno's first, decision, first, uh, first acquisition after becoming general manager, a minor league guy, and he hit the biggest home run of the season <laughs> in game two of the World Series. But you do have to get out of the way and let the young guys play. You know, and Altuve is two years away, and right. he is terribly underpaid. And uh, I've asked Scott Boris five times. I said, why don't you just go in and say, we want to re-sign this guy. You know, the Royals just tore up Sal Perez's contract. And he said, Jose Altuve is going to be a free agent at age 29. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. Well, you make that clear. Yeah, yeah. All right, and last thing, Richard, uh, let's go back to Jeff Luno, named Houston Sports Awards Executive of the Year. Can you tell a few anecdotes about Jeff Luno and why it's no surprise he's earned this award? Yeah, the best one we used was on Cut 4. Um, you know, he was a, he was a guy in his, an online pet supply company with his brother <laughs> when he met a relative of Cardinals owner Bill DeWitt. And when he went to the Cardinals, there was derision in the business. Mm-hmm. Someone you and I both know wrote a column for Baseball America mm-hmm. just torching the idea that you would hire a pet food salesman 
to, to run your baseball ops. Mm-hmm. And many of the people in the Cardinals front office uh, gave him the cold shoulder. He would walk in to rooms and people would ignore him. He had a series of great drafts, and that's what prompted Jim Crane to hire him. My favorite story was they said, we're going to have a blueprint, we're going to do this the right way, we're going to tear it completely down and build it back up. In his second year, they lost 111 games, and he got a, a license plate. We've used this on Cut 4. It's a GM 111. And he told the players, I'm not going to change that license plate until we make the playoffs. When they made the playoffs in 2015, he um, he got a new license plate. And then this year, when they won Game 7 of the World Series, <laughs> from 111 losses, that was their 112th win. So he's going to go out and get another license plate. And you can't it would be hard to understand the amount of derision he dealt with within the business, mm-hmm. the people fought the analytics, the data-driven decisions, and all that. His first two draft picks in 2012 were Carlos Correa and Lance McCullers. We should have known then that the boy knew what he was doing. <laughs> you are so right, Richard. All right, well, listen, uh, winter meetings are over. The holiday season is wrapping up, too. So we'll see if the Astros squeak out any more moves, that left-handed bat, left-handed reliever. But I thank you so much. You're filling in for Brian McTaggart for the Astros. Richard Justice, you're a rock star. I'm Danny Wexelman. Thanks for tuning in.